Thank you for listening to the podcast of Bible Baptist Church. Please visit our website at www.southbaybbc.org for more information. A wonderful analogy that few biblical writers wrote of our fellowship with God is taste. Uh, When we think of the word taste, we immediately associate with something that we eat. Uh, We eat what we enjoy. And I don't think we try to eat much as possible of something that we don't enjoy. Uh, As we enjoy what we eat, we tend to seek more of it. I'm sure you have your favorite food today, and you could tell me your favorite restaurant. Uh, You could tell me your favorite fast food. And uh, you could tell me your favorite, I guess, uh, culture food, and you might be a little bit more daring to try out different international food, and you might have your favorite dessert this morning. And uh, um, I just uh, ate one of the best ice creams the other day, and uh, it's amazing how we kind of tend to uh, bring about a different uh, hierarchy of different foods sometimes by categories, and and I thought, right, a, uh, ice cream was really good. And then until I, I found this uh, Japanese ice cream that Brother Josh introduced me to. And, and by the way, uh, Brother Josh is like Yelp, okay? And you ask him what kind of food that we should eat, he could tell you just immediately. And uh, he's, he has some good suggestions. But he introduced me to this Japanese ice cream right here on 182nd. Man, one of the best ice creams I ever had. They had the right sugar level, and you keep on eating. And uh, it doesn't really affect your body. Isn't that a wonderful blessing? And, uh, you know, uh, you just keep on eating it and just taste good every bite. And uh, so I found the best ice cream in town here. And, uh, but it is, a, it is a pretty expensive dessert. But in every way, you know, it's amazing how we tend to have our favorites and what we eat according to what we taste and what our taste bud is like. And how many of you have Yelp on your phone? Raise your hand, all right? I'm sure many, oh, just me and you, Brother, Brother Price, we'll talk after for service. And, uh, uh, all right, and uh, we'll talk about food after the service, right, Brother Price? All right, but uh, uh, I guess not many people do, or maybe you're just shy to let us know that you do. I'm not sure. Uh, but I think all of us sometimes use Yelp to find uh, just not any kind of food, but the best food in time, and, and also see the uh, uh, I guess the uh, different rating and also uh, 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 the posts that the people have put on in Yelp. And uh, with all this being said, I'm just simply saying that we are surrounded by food and our association of taste is a very important factor of life, in life. And this word taste is used and found in the scripture. And it has an association with our spiritual fellowship with God. And this is a spiritual explanation of our close fellowship with the Lord as much as we need food every day and what we taste and what we delight in. We seek for those things more. And as we taste the fellowship of God, I believe that we need to do more of it. And I believe that our God is gracious, and I believe that our God is exciting. And every time we think about our Lord, every time we read about our Lord, and uh, I believe that God will speak to our hearts to know that uh, He is not boring and that there's always more to explore about our infinite Lord and uh, our King of Kings and, uh, 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 and our Sovereign. And uh, I'm just simply saying this morning, uh, as a physical taste of food is very important in our lives, we are to center our lives around Him and taste His presence, His truth, and His goodness. You know, the Word of God explains that we're able to Taste his goodness. Psalm 34, verse 8. Uh, If you look on the screen with me, oh, taste 
and see that the Lord is good, and blessed is the man that trusts in him. And our God is good, and he is good all the time. And we need to taste that he is good. That means uh, as we taste that he is good, and that uh, we need to uh, always uh, uh, be near him, and that we need to trust in him, and that we always need to visit him. And the word of God explains that we're able to taste his words in Psalm 119, verse 103. How sweet are thy words unto my taste, yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. And I'm sure many of you have uh, maybe uh, uh, a sweet tooth, and, and uh, you like to maybe uh, uh, taste sweet things, and and, uh, you know, the sweeter the better, you might say. Uh, but as we think about the Word of God, you know, the psalmist said, hey, the Word of God is sweeter than honey, sweeter than anything that I could enjoy in my physical taste. And thank God we should also approach that way because the Word of God is sweet, it is gracious, and we want to taste it again over and over. And the Word of God also explains that we're able to taste the heavenly gift of salvation. In Hebrews chapter 6, verse 4, for it, for it is impossible for those who are once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift. And thank God we have tasted salvation. And thank God that we are sitting here this morning and rejoicing about the fact that our sins are gone and sins are forgiven and we have eternal life ahead of us and we are uh, heaven bound for good and that we'll never lose our salvation. And we ought to always be grateful and we ought to have a heart of gratitude and always revisiting that experience of salvation once again. Not to say that you're going to get saved over and over again, but going back to that point uh, or that event when you first trusted Christ as your personal Savior and you are saved once and for all, I think we need to revisit that and revisit that taste again and be grateful and, be, and, go, and glorify the Lord for what he has done. And our spiritual taste should always be fresh and sensitive and alert to the things of God and so that we may stay grateful and revisit the Lord's gracious gestures to us. I'm sure all of us are aware that we have our physical taste buds this morning. I heard that an average person has about 10,000 taste buds, okay, and maybe a little less, and they are replaced every two weeks. Did you know that? I didn't know that. Our taste buds are replaced every two weeks. You know, it gets worn out, so you need some fresh taste buds again so that you could uh, uh, taste that rib like it was new again and, and taste that ice cream like it was sweet again. You know, uh, uh, the taste buds need regenerating so that uh, we may be sensitive and enjoy the things uh, that we eat every single day. And uh, 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 it is study that our taste buds tend to lose count as we get older. And uh, an older person may have uh, around 5,000 working taste buds compared to a young person who has uh, around a little less of 10,000. And so, for example, people who cook in their latter years uh, tend to cook a little bit more less salty and less sweet since their taste buds have lost count and, and the food tend to become a little more dull. And, and, uh, and sometimes you just go by ingredients and by numbers. And, and my wife is like that. And uh, my wife was very surprised to learn cooking from my mom. My mom never used measurement, amen? And uh, my mom just used her taste buds, okay? And uh, she'll cook, okay, it needs more salt, 
put some salt in there. But we'll get. And uh, when she was trying to learn, uh, my mom, when my wife was trying to learn some uh, Korean food, and she was like, "What is the measurement for this? And what is the measurement for that?" And my mom is like, "No, you just taste it, and you just go with the flow." <laughs> and uh, you know, that's how my mom cooked. And and now, uh, uh, as she has gotten older, sometimes when I eat her food, I realize, hey. My mom's cooking little, changed a little bit, and it used to be saltier, used to be a little sweeter, but now it's not, and that may be because she has lost her taste bud count. But, you know, I'm just simply saying with this illustration, spiritually speaking, you know, Christians could get the same way. Our spiritual taste bud could become more dull in tasting the goodness of the Lord, and maybe we have lost the count of it, and uh, we have in every way... Uh, uh, grown dull in the good things that God has given to us. And, uh, and it is not as exciting as before. And our spiritual tastes become more dull in tasting the Word of God. And we have read Genesis and Revelation many times, so, you know, you know what to expect in the next chapter or the next verse. So, you know, it's not as exciting and flavorful as it used to be. And we have somewhat grown dull spiritually in our taste buds. And our, sp- our spiritual taste bud may have become dull in appreciating the heavenly gift of God in and, and, and the area of salvation and and, uh, you know, we'll, uh, we sometimes uh, over, uh, 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 I mean, uh, we, let, uh, we, we don't think too uh, much of, uh, of salvation as we should, and we don't meditate upon it as we should. And, but, nation, gentlemen, we need a church that constantly tasting the spiritual goodness and the scripture and the heavenly gift of God, and it should always be refreshed to us, and we should have a revival in our spiritual taste buds where it is renewed by our God. So that when we read the Bible, is it exciting? And, and when we uh, think about the goodness of the Lord, it is uh, refreshing once again. And also, when we think about our salvation, and uh, we are grateful and we're glorifying the Lord once again. And I believe that we need some spiritual revival in that way so that we could always enjoy and always be grateful for the fellowship that He has given us. Let us never consider our God to be dull. Amen. And let us never think we have arrived in tasting all of the spiritual goodness of God. Our God is infinite. Okay. And uh, I mean, uh, we have a finite mind this morning, and there is no way that we can understand everything about God. Of course, we have faith to do so. But uh, our God is indescribable. He is inexhaustible, and He is infinite, and He is always that way. And talking and knowing and tasting our God in His divine nature never gets boring. Oh, just think about our salvation. We ought to be thrilled and taste how gracious and how, how good our salvation is, the salvation that God has given us. We stand justified today, meaning we are declared righteous. We were declared guilty before, remember that? And, uh, and our sin was uh, uh, bringing us to go to the lake of fire. But Jesus Christ died on the cross, and we trusted him as our only personal Savior. And uh, Jesus Christ cleansed not only our past, but present, but also our future sins. And our record is clean. And we've been covered by the blood of our Savior, Jesus. And God says that we are justified. And the Bible says that we are sanctified. We are in the right hand of God. One day, God will have two groups of people. And by the way, there are a lot of religions in the world, but there are only two groups of people, as God sees it. And there are those who are saved, those who are not saved. 
Those who trusted Christ, those who trust uh, something else uh, concerning salvation. And God has uh, set us apart to the right hand, and we are his sheep, and we are, uh, uh, he is our shepherd, and we, are, we hear his voice, and we know him to be true. But there are goats in this world, and there are those who are on the left hand, and God will say, I never knew you. Depart from me, eat that, eat that do iniquity. And uh, thank God, my friend, we're on the right hand of God. Okay? And the right side of God, I'm sorry. And, uh, but I'm just simply saying today, and uh, we are sanctified, my friend. And also, uh, uh, and also we will stand uh, one day glorified. Our mortal body will one day put on immortality. All because our God came down 2,000 years ago. And we are, we are not scared of death. And we're not scared of the grave. Because to be absent from the body is to be what? Present with the Lord. And thank God for that transition. And that we will stand at the, uh, in front of the pearly gates, enter, and then also walk the streets of gold. And we'll see Jesus Christ, our Savior. And uh, thank God we'll one day be glorified. Oh, uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Jesus Christ was born of a virgin, born in a manger, raised in a carpenter's home, walked this earthly trail for 33 and a half years, wrongfully tried, wrongfully persecuted, wrongfully sentenced. He took up the cross and walked the road to Calvary, crucified among sinners, mocked and humiliated. But he said, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And before he gave up the ghost, he said, it is finished. What is finished are the appeasement and the propitiation for our sins. And God gave that perfect offering, that perfect sacrifice. And thank God, when he was buried, he didn't stay buried. On the third day, Jesus Christ rose again again from the dead. And ladies and gentlemen, in Jerusalem, there's an empty tomb. And that is the gospel message that we believe this morning and that we have believed on that day of salvation. And that gospel message saved us and we ought to always be excited about that. Our sins are cleansed, and, and we, we have heaven as our home. We have Jesus Christ as our Savior, and, uh, and we have this victory, and, and the faith is a victory that overcomes the world. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, how uh, can we say that salvation is boring? And uh, oh, taste the heavenly gift of God once again. By the way, as we enjoy tasting this heavenly gift, don't forget that our Savior tasted the bitter taste of death for us. So we could taste the heavenly gift of salvation. Look at Hebrews chapter 2, verse 9. It says, But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should, what's the next word there? Taste death for how many man? Every man. Oh, that means God wants everyone saved still. Amen. That means he died for everybody, not just those who will be saved. He tastes that for every man, every person in this world. Jesus Christ died for, and he tasted that for them. Oh, taste that the Lord is good, my friend. Taste that the Lord's salvation is wonderful. And this heavenly gift was given because he tasted the bitter death for every man. And Apostle Peter writes of the spiritual taste of the Christian life, the renewed taste for the spiritual and the new. And as a church, I believe that we can be helped in a greater way to always taste the spiritual presence and the gift of God. And, uh, and as we think about the goodness of the Lord and the word of God and this uh, wonderful heavenly gift of salvation, uh, Peter writes of 
how we need to be grateful for those things and uh, how we could be encouraged and have the biblical experiences over and over again because we know that we have tasted the Lord has been gracious to us. So I'd like to share with you three encouraging biblical experiences of the Christian life that we should taste over and over again and revisit. Number one, our testimony of salvation. I know I talked about it in the introduction, but let me further expound on it. In verse 23, Peter writes, Being born again, not a corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God which liveth and abideth forever. Peter emphasizes that this great gift of salvation is by the word of God. And uh, uh, he explains how we are saved. We are born again, of course, by the Holy Spirit, but also by the word of God. Faith come up by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And God's word does change our lives, and it begins with salvation. And the Holy Spirit of God quickens our spirit so that we're born again. But the Bible is also very clear that he has his weapon. And uh, uh, Ephesians chapter 5 explains it, that he has a sword of the spirit. And that sword is the word of God. And uh, the Holy Spirit quickens us, and He uses the word, uh, His Word to uh, 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 give us that uh, 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 conversion and, and that transformation and also uh, uh, that substance of faith. And faith come up bare hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. And God's Word does change our lives, and it all begins with salvation. So with that, He shares, Peter does, letter A, man is frail. Man is frail. We cannot save ourselves. We cannot cleanse our own sins. In verse 24, For all flesh is as grass, and the glory of man is a flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away. We're not born of flesh and blood, but by the Spirit of God. That's what the Bible says. In John chapter 1, look at verse 12 on the screen in verse 13. But as many have received them, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Let's read verse 13 together. Ready? Which were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Okay. We're not saved by the will of man. We're not saved by the will of the flesh. No. We're, by, we're saved by the will of God. We're saved by God's uh, uh, power of salvation. And ladies and gentlemen, we are saved by hearing God's word. And it is his word that quickens sinners to be born again. And not the will of the flesh or the will of man. And we're not saved by keeping the law. We're not saved by keeping man's creed or doctrine. We're not saved by confessing sins every Sunday or going to a boot somewhere. No. And maybe giving money to the church. No. We're not saved by the will of man, the will of the flesh, or even by silver and gold. No, we're saved by the word of God and the blood of our Savior, Jesus Christ, and by the Holy Spirit of God. And ladies and gentlemen, it is all God, my friend. Salvation is of the Lord, not of man. <clears throat> and, and man is frail and man is weak. The glory of man is far of grass, as the Bible says. It withers and it passes away. But the word of God is eternal and abides forever. Oh, nation, gentlemen, the word of God has been kept, preserved for the last 
uh, 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 6,000 years of history of mankind, and God has spoken to us over and over again, and God has spoken to each generation about His salvation, and no one's exempt, no one's standing in excuse. And I think about Romans chapter 2, and some people say, Oh, how about those who have never had the Bible in front of them, never received the law like the Israelites? But the Bible says in Romans chapter 2 that God has written law in their hearts. So they are without excuse. God knows what he is doing. doesn't matter if you're uh, far away in Antarctica. God has his way of speaking to them. I'm just simply saying, let us not judge his sovereignty concerning salvation. And, but let us examine whether we are saved this morning. Because God is speaking to you today if you're not born again. If you don't know where you're going to go after you die. And you're sitting here and uh, wondering what truth is. And, and wondering how other people uh, know about the Bible or what God will do. But consider also today, you're hearing God's word, and, and you will stand in front, uh, in front of the great white throne judgment one day, and, uh, and, and, and you are uh, uh, having that verdict, verdict of guilty. And where would you go after you died this morning? Think about your own soul today. And ladies and gentlemen, the word of God abides forever, and the word of God is speaking to men still. And if you're not born again this morning, consider his word. Consider, consider his gospel. Consider Jesus Christ as your personal. Savior, oh, you might be trusting yourself today. You might be trusting your own experiences, and you might be trusting your own maybe dogma or maybe some kind of different uh, way of philosophy. Ladies and gentlemen, all those things are just maybes. All those things are not absolute, but the Word of God is absolute. It has infallible proofs, and, and the Word of God is pure and is, and, and then we'll talk about this in a moment. Uh, but the Word of God has been tried seven times, and, and uh, it is true forevermore, my friend. And, and let us never try to think that we can make our own way to go to, Jesus, uh, to go to God the Father and to the true God. No, Jesus is the only way to the Father. Jesus is the only way to our God. And uh, the Word of God, my friend, abides forever. And man is frail. Whatever you could think of, it is not true. Do not be deceived by your own cunningness. Receive the word of God. Trust in the word of God. So with that in mind, the word of God is forever. But the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. Luke chapter 21, verse 33. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. Ladies and gentlemen, realize how good this wonderful gospel was to you when you got saved. And this message will abide with us eternally. This means we could always enjoy the taste of salvation. Our testimony of salvation does, does truly taste good. And we could only know this great taste by being saved and being born again. Are you saved by the word of God today? Are you saved by the gospel? Not through a church, not through good works, not through another. No, are you saved by the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ? Jesus Christ died Jesus Christ was buried, and Jesus Christ rose again. And that gospel is found in the scripture. And that gospel has been preached for the last 2,000 years. To all the people in this world, would you receive him as your Savior? The word of God, <coughs> the Bible says, is 
with him forever. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. The word of God never changes. The word of God will always be the same. Don't try to change the word of God to fit your doctrine, try to fit your perception of life. No, receive the word of God as it is. You might be thinking, that's too narrow-minded. Yeah, that's why Jesus said, narrow is the way to life everlasting. Broad is the way to way destruction. And ladies and gentlemen, let us consider Jesus Christ. Let us consider who he is. If you're not born again, be saved this morning. And if you're saved, always rejoice that the word of God you trusted, the gospel you've trusted, is abiding forever and ever and ever. Secondly, not only that, uh, not only the fact that he had the testimony of salvation, but our distaste for sin, our distaste for sin. Wherefore, laying aside all malice, and all guile, and hypocrisies, and these, and all evil speakings. Once we have tasted the heavenly gift of salvation, it's hard for us to go back to the junk food. Yeah. And uh, I have done this many times. I get hungry, and I look at some billboards, and like, oh, that you know, burger from Carl's Jr. looks really good. You know, you're hungry, so you just want to eat anything that's available to you, but you don't want to wait for the good food, and healthy food, and after you eat the healthy food and you pass by the same billboard, what do you say? Oh, that looks disgusting. Thank God I didn't eat that. You know, when you eat the good food, you don't want to, you know, go back to the junk food. And uh, I'm just simply saying today, as Christians, as we have been born again, we don't want to go back to the junk food of the world. Philippians chapter 3, verse 13 through 14, Brethren, I count not myself to apprehend it, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God and Christ Jesus. We need, uh, we need to forget those things which were before and stop tasting the world of sin and lust. And ladies and gentlemen, in the context, Peter does not talk about drinking does not talk about fornication, adultery, divorce. He does not talk about that. He talks about relationships. He talks about malice, which is hatred. He talks about guile, which is craftiness. And he talks about hypocrisies. He talks about envies, jealousy. He talks about evil speaking or maybe gossiping and having fault witness against each other. And Peter talks about relationship. And by the way, if you ever look at all the epistles, Apostle Paul always Apostle Paul and Apostle Peter and even John talks about relationship many times. Just think about what John wrote in 1 John. He talks about relationship over and over and over again. Love one another. You see, I believe the church, the biblical church, have their fundamental doctrine straight. They might have their standards right concerning how they behave outside of, the, outside of this uh, room here. And, and they don't drink. They don't get involved in the worldly atmosphere. And, and they don't curse. But they always somewhat neglect the great commandments of relationship. We might have a biblical church today, but we're going back to that junk food of gossiping and 
not loving each other and judging one another and, and uh, speaking, other, uh, speaking each other uh, 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 in a very rude manner. And uh, uh, Apostle Peter in this context is trying to let the Christians know, hey, you're doing well, and you have tasted the Lord is gracious, but you have hypocrisy, you have malice, you have guile, you have envies, and you have evil speaking. Put those things away from you. And some people love to taste these things in life. They love to gossip about somebody at home. They love to... You know, uh, 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 be craft, uh, be crafty in their mannerism, and uh, they want to have hatred towards somebody. And by the way, I don't like the statement when people say, "Oh, you know, I love that brother, but I just don't like him." That doesn't make sense to me. If you love a brother, I think you'll like him. I don't know why people separate the two. The Bible says that charity is kind. That's liking somebody, okay? And it's long-suffering. And it's, uh, I believe, uh, 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 it, it does not uh, think it evil of someone. And, and ladies and gentlemen, do not try to, you know, uh, separate the love of God and, and also separate the love of man. If you love God, you ought to love the uh, man or the brother and sisters in Christ the same way that you love God. And I'm just simply saying today that it is very important that we put away these ill uh, habits of relationship. And we need to be more careful and be more sensitive what sin is. And, uh, you know, uh, malice is sin, and guile is sin, and hypocrisy is sin, gossiping is sin, and jealousy is sin, and, and hatred is sin, and all those things are sin, as much as maybe drinking and doing drugs, or uh, maybe uh, uh, having fornication or adultery. All those things are sinful, too. But all those things I mentioned before, those are all sinful. Jesus Christ died on the cross because you hated somebody, because you had jealousy, because you had envy, and we nailed them on that cross because we had had some evil speaking within our lives, and ladies and gentlemen, let us never think those things are lesser sins compared to the other sins. We're mocking the Lord Jesus Christ and how he died on that cross. And I think about Romans chapter 7, verse 15, and we had the struggle, for this I do, I allow not, for what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that do I. And uh, Apostle Paul was simply saying, I have a problem. (laughs) And uh, I have an inward issue here. And he was sensitive to his struggle. And some people say, you know, uh, the relationship issue that I have, it just comes and goes. It's just an emotional thing. It'll be all right. And we just kind of talk down about it. But ladies and gentlemen, Those are sinful things that we do inwardly. We might not cuss outwardly, but some people cuss inwardly. And God hears that. You might have a smile on your face to your husband or wife or maybe a church member here, but inwardly you're thinking, oh, that person is terrible. I hate that person. I'm just simply saying, that we need to be more sensitive about sin. We need to be more sensitive about relationship. The two greatest commandments to love God and secondly is to love others. 
And, and, and ladies and gentlemen, this is, this, is, this is also the word of God that we need to receive gladly. And, and we need to be more sensitive in the things that truly hinders us in our walk with God and tasting uh, uh, the uh, gracious uh, gift of God. And, and Apostle Paul was sensitive to it. Job also speaks of discernment. Is there iniquity in my tongue? Cannot my taste discern perverse things? And uh, ladies and gentlemen, we need to be more discerning with what we taste every day and how we react and how we perceive somebody and how we talk about somebody. It is studied that people who have more than 10,000 taste buds, okay, uh, 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 are, are considered to be uh, super tasters because they taste things more intensely. And, uh, for example, they're very sensitive with what's bitter. So when they eat a broccoli uh, compared to a person who just has a regular taste bud, uh, they would taste extreme bitterness, I mean, three, four times the more because they have, they have super taste buds in their mouths. And, 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 and as Christians, spiritually speaking, we need to be super tasters concerning the sins. It ought to taste very bitterly to us. And I love it when some person just stands up for somebody. And uh, I believe we have a good spirit church, and, but we're not a perfect church. And uh, uh, there was one incident where somebody was uh, uh, talking about somebody, and this person said, I don't know why people kind of you know, judge ill of this person. This person's great. And I appreciated that. I like it when someone tries to edify somebody rather than tearing down somebody. God's people say. Show me a perfect person, by the way. All right? And, and I'm just simply saying today that uh, it's very important uh, to build up somebody carefully. It's very easy to tear down something. Did you know that? It's easy to tear down this building rather than building it. And uh, I, it's very important as Christians not to tear down somebody and, eat, and speak evil of somebody. And, and we need to have the right <clears throat> taste for the sweet things of God. And I believe that it will come if we taste more of God's word. Because God's word will change our lives in how we speak and how we think and how we perceive. And then number three, so our desire for the scripture. Our desire for the scripture, as newborn beings desire the sincere milk of the word, that may grow thereby, if so be, have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Our God has been very gracious. There's no doubt about that. And if we have tasted him to be gracious, then we need to desire more of him. And to desire more of him is to desire more of his words. And uh, the word is sincere, the sincere milk of the word. We serve a God who cannot lie. This book right here is true. And uh, uh, we have a God who cannot lie, according to Titus chapter 1, verse 2, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. Everything in this book is true, my friend, and you could trust it. And if God tells you you're a sinner, you're a sinner. If God tells us that there is a hell, there is a hell. If God tells us that we could trust Christ and go to heaven, that is true too. And God says that he could uh, make you to be a new creature, that is true too. And God says, I could teach you 
and uh, I give you uh, uh, what to say and, and, uh, and how you think and I could transform your life. Hey, that is true too. And ladies and gentlemen, trust the word of God completely. The word of God is sincere. Whether through joy or suffering. I like the word sincere. And I heard that in Latin, is, is, it actually means without wax. And, and uh, artists will sculpt something and they'll... Uh, accidentally make the mistake, and they try to fill that hole or maybe fill that flaw with wax. And then uh, what would happen is if the room temperature gets high enough, that wax will start melt, and that flaw will show. And some people say that word comes from that example without wax, sincere. And they shaman, the word of God, whether through trial, whether through suffering, is still is without wax. It will stand true. And, uh, and, and let us in every way sincerely trust the Lord. Sincerely trust the word. Let it be. Our Lord is gracious. Our Lord is gracious. We need to dive back into his words, his promises, and his truth because God has proven over and over again that he is good and gracious. That's why Peter writes in Second Peter, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, Apostle, Paul, I mean, Apostle Peter tasted that the Lord is gracious. How did he do so? He denied the Lord three times, but 50 days later, he got to preach at Pentecost. The Lord is gracious, and he was able to grow in the grace of God. I don't know, how about you? Would you taste that the Lord is gracious today? And all that we have is a gift of God, and all that we enjoy is a gift of God. This church, your family, your career, your finances, everything that you taste to be good and taste to be the goodness of the Lord. It all comes from the Lord. That means he's been gracious to you. Would you taste that the Lord is gracious? Would you revisit the testimony of salvation? Would you realize that the word of God has changed your life? Would you realize also that we need to have distaste for the things of this world, especially in the ill habits of relationship? Would you put that away in your life? that you may truly taste the great fellowship with the Lord and the word of God, and that you will, find, you will be found to be sincere. You see, God is sincere, the word of God is sincere, but sometimes we're not sincere. That's the problem. Are you sincere today? Am I sincere today? Because the world cannot see, or I'm sorry, they will not read this book like you do. They'll not think about Jesus Christ or pray to Jesus Christ like you do or meditate, worship the Lord like you do. And we know Christ and the word of God is sincere, but the world doesn't. And the only thing that they see is your testimony. Is your testimony sincere? And we could only have that as long as we taste the word of God and that we taste his fellowship to be true and that we keep on revisiting his wonderful presence. He will never fail. He can never fail. Let's trust him.